Well, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest episode here on RNFM Radio, hanging out on the pulse of nursing. And this show is also going to be syndicated on the Innovative Nurse Show. So for RNFM Radio, this is episode 151, and for the Innovative Nurse Show, this is episode 24. And the reason why I decided to syndicate these shows and put these together on the different platforms is that I know that many of the community members out there, some of you listen to RNFM, some of you don't listen to the Innovative Nurse Show, and vice versa. And so I just wanted to make sure this topic today, because we're going to be talking about something I think is extremely important for those entrepreneurs out there, or those nurses, quite frankly, who are looking to elevate their career. And we're going to be talking about conferences and the importance of conferences and attending those conferences. We're going to break things down a little bit. So as always, you're tuning in to the leading platform for nurses, and we're thrilled to have you tuning in for the latest news, trends, and hot topics with the leaders and thought provokers in our industry. Now, we don't have a guest today. It's just myself, Kevin Ross, hanging out in my studio in Colorado, and Elizabeth Scala, who is hanging out in her studio in Maryland. I'm going to bring her in because the thing is, is that Keith was actually at a conference, Wealth and Wellness Live in Atlanta, and I think he's still kicking it in Atlanta. So it just seems apropos to be talking about conferences. But anyway, Elizabeth, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I feel I have to fill some big shoes here without having our friend Keith. So we are saying hello to Keith at his conference in Atlanta or, or at his wealth and wellness speaking um, opportunity in Atlanta. And here I am in Maryland and having a wonderful day from my home office. So I'm just really excited about this topic because there's so many ways to experience conferences, uh, so many benefits, and then so many things to be on the lookout for. So this is really going to be a great show, Kevin. Oh, well, it is, Elizabeth, because we, together, we are in good company, and I know that Keith would be proud. You know, he's here in spirit. I know he always is. And I, again, I just thought it was so apropos because he's away and he just couldn't be on the mic today with us. And he felt it was extremely important to attend this conference in Atlanta. And I know it was, and I know that he definitely got something out of it. And we're going to be talking about things that you get out of attending conferences. Oh, but you know what, Elizabeth, I forgot... Now, of course, when everybody's listening, it, it is not Earth Day, but today we are recording on April 22nd, right? Yeah, 22nd here, where we're just, uh, where it is Earth Day, and hopefully be good to your Mother Earth when you are traveling around the country or attending these conferences or thinking about these conferences, and we have ways for you to lower your carbon footprint when you want to attend a conference, and that would be virtually. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering what that was going to be at the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's that. I mean, you know, I, I understand that there are flights and you're burning up fuel and, you know, not being too friendly to Mother Earth. But, but that's the thing. Like, can you find a conference that's a little bit closer to you or find a virtual ticket? But I don't want to do any spoilers here because we're going to be talking about all of these things here today. Now, we know. So, Elizabeth, you, you've attended conferences. I've certainly attended conferences and you have had some virtual conferences. And we'll also discuss your uh, potentially upcoming live event in the fall here, but I just kind of want the the listeners today to really glean the importance of conferences and a few caveats to think about as well as you attend conferences and also from speaking opportunities. If you ever get asked or invited to speak or have a roundtable and things like that, I mean, this is going to be really all encompassing and we want it to not just be all the good things out of the conference, but a few of the caveats and things to think about. So anyway, we're going to kick it off here. And, and, and really talk about that there are so many conferences. I don't know, Elizabeth, you probably don't even have a number because I sure as heck don't. I mean, mm -hmm. there are conferences and conferences. I mean, hundreds, if not thousands 
of conferences just in the United States alone. I mean, what do you say? Most definitely. That's what I was just going to mention. One time as a psychiatric nurse, I had the honor of attending a nurse managers conference, an international one in Turkey. So a benefit of attending conferences is you get to travel the world. That's for sure. But, you know, in one of my roles as a nurse, one of my clinical roles, I actually had a boss who asked me to look up conferences and make a spreadsheet. And I was like, are you serious? So, you know, that spreadsheet constantly evolved and there was conferences all over the place. And of course, I didn't find everything. But as Kevin just mentioned, sure. I mean, everyone listening can probably think of a dozen conferences right off the top of their head. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and that's the thing. I think that's where we come into play, at least as far as our experience going to conferences within our careers, whether it be as an employee or I think even more importantly as an entrepreneur, because when you've got limited funds and you're the quote unquote employer funding these conferences and whether that's going to be a good value. And you need to ask yourself a couple of things right out of the gates. Are there, is this going to be a good networking opportunity for me? Or, you know, from a business standpoint, how could something like this benefit my client? Is this something that's going to improve me in, in delivering patient care, whether that's at the bedside or from a business standpoint, is this something that's really going to speak to my clients and give them more value, give them more of me? So, I mean, just right out of the gate, those are a couple of things that you can really ask yourself. So, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I recently read an article, I believe it was on Greg Mercer's blog, and he wrote about the, doing a cost-benefit analysis of education. So I'm thinking a similar, you know, along the same lines is looking at the conference, looking at the topics, looking at what are you going to get out of it? And then as you were just mentioning, you know, are you going to be able to use those resources to teach another person? Are you going to apply them in your business? You know, even if you're spending money to get there, uh, really, what's the value? And does if it outweighs the cost, then I, I would think attending is a really good thing. Yeah, of course, of course. And I totally forgot about Greg. And I think I actually read that post as well. So that's great that we can, we'll even reference his uh, post within the show notes today. So what, what I, obviously, you know, Elizabeth, and of course, the listeners out there, I need to take this from a business perspective as an entrepreneur, and a couple of things that we really need to break this down of reasons why and and thinking about this in a perspective that what is going to be your return on the investment. So first and foremost, let's look at your business for a second here. You have really got to assess what your business goals are. So right now we're recording this in 2015 and we're in April at this point. Now, and I know, you know, we're we're full on. I mean, I've got my heels deep into 2015 at this point. And so it's not so much about planning for the entire 2015. I hope you have planned for at least the the entire 2015, but maybe some of you haven't. So from a business perspective, instead of saying, and, and Elizabeth and I, we were talking about this off the air, and you can't look at look at this and say, okay, I want to grow my business this year. I just want it to be bigger. I want it to be better. I want to have, make more money. Well, that's not necessarily a measurable goal. Let's break this down so that it is measurable. So then as per what you were saying, Elizabeth, in Greg's post is how you can tie that dollar amount, that return on investment. So for instance, an example would be, I'm a completely, I'm in a service-based business and I also consider some services as a product. Now, if I want to launch an entirely new service that's somewhat adjacent to what I'm currently providing, then I would most likely want to attend a conference that is aligned with, let's say, launching a new product. And so I would think, okay, I want to launch a new product or service this year. That is a measurable goal. I say just one product or two products or whatever that is. So that's a measurable goal. 
Another measurable goal is to say, okay, I want to increase either my email list by 10,000 this year, or I want to increase my online engagement on Facebook by 30 to 50%. Those are measurable goals that you can work with. And so I don't know if you had anything to add, but I just think you need to get a little bit more specific and finite about your goals. Yeah, it's really similar to what you've spoken up about before, Kevin, in terms of theming your day. Uh, my business coach actually has us theme our year. So looking at, you know, this year, increasing my visibility. Well, I'm going to be doing things on social media. I'm going to be sure I'm learning how to blog and not only blog, but get it out there in a larger way and making more connections via my online writing. So I would look for conferences then, which there are, uh, according to those topics, and really be very specific. And as you said, you know, being broad in that way of, oh, I want to grow my business. Well, that's kind of unclear. And if you're unclear with your goals, you're going to get unclear results because you're sort of sending those messages, that energy for me to bring in the energy, of course, but sending those thoughts, those feelings out to, to whatever. And it's very broad and very basic, uh, very generic. And so you're getting mixed results, probably most likely when you're more clear then you can measure the results. You can evaluate if they were effective. And if they're not, then you can change it up. You said that so eloquently. And I love the way you kind of wrapped that together because you're right. You know, we think about that in, in the sense of, yeah, you're going broad, but we need to go deep. You know, you can, you can create these T's as I like to call them. Like you can go broad in some aspects, but you really got to go deep in, in other areas. And part of that deep standpoint or that perspective is that, yeah, you got to really get in there into your niche uh, of your ideas or whatever it is in your head, your brain, wherever, wherever that inspiration is coming from and, and get really specific and knowledgeable and deep and anyway, just more detailed with, with that and, and not be so broad. So I love the way that you said that. It's amazing. And, and so this is also a good segue, Elizabeth, where we talk about, okay, when you're looking at this conference, Look at the conference in the way, is this something that is targeted to me? Now, as I said before, and in, in we're talking about like if you just want to blog better, create, you know, be able to engage better online, things like that. So if I'm a service-based business, I'm not going to attend a conference that has anything to do with setting up a retail shop. I just, that's just not my space. However, if it is for you, like if you have product launches that you're thinking about setting up your own brick and mortar, then maybe attending a conference like that is, is, is viable. And then also too, and I was saying earlier, you don't necessarily have to attend conferences. So we're nurses, you know, you and I are nurses and I'm sure the majority of, of the listeners are nurses. We don't also have to be surrounded by nurses. Now, of course, if it's a, if it's a subspecialty area of your clinical practice, then most likely you're around other healthcare professionals. However, there are many aligned service-based businesses out there that could be scaling products and services that are very similar to yours, or at least they're scaling it in ways that you'd be scaling yours. So you could still learn a whole heck of a lot. So don't necessarily box yourself in to say, well, I'm only going to attend conferences that other healthcare professionals are going to be there. But just look and see, like, is it something aligned with what you're doing within your business? Right. And you're bringing up sort of the next main benefit of attending a conference, and that is the relationships the connections, the p potential joint ventures. You know, when you go to a conference, you're there to learn for yourself, but you're really also there to network with the other conference attendees. And what I like to do is look at the conference. Is it highly attended? 
Has it happened year after year after year? Are there big name, you know, big name <laughs> entrepreneurs? If you're an entrepreneur, are there big name folks? Like, so for example, if you are a nurse coach, uh, are you going to a conference where someone like Barbara Dossi is attending? You know, if you are going to these conferences where these folks who have sort of quote, quote, made it, um, those are places you really want to hang out because you can learn from them. You can sort of rub shoulders with them. You can maybe get into their ear if you, if you want them to comment on your upcoming book. So it's a really great way to collaborate as, as well as to attend a conference. Oh, sister, you said it. And it was interesting because I wanted to reference a post that I had. So one of my earlier shows on the Innovative Nurse Show and in the post over at InnovativeNurse.com was Your New Year is Now. So, you know, everybody's like that whole like, oh, December 31st, tomorrow's a new year. You know, I got to I got to get ready. Like I'm getting my new year ready sometime around October of the previous year. Like I'm focused. That's just kind of how driven I, I get. And it's my hustle. However, your new year is now and it is just ongoing. It's a constant. You're moving forward. And I told people in that uh, podcast was, you know, I, I said, listen, set out to meet 10 of some of the most influential people to you that you want to either have a face-to-face, you want to pick up the phone, have a conversation with them, set it out, lay it out, try to pick 10 of some of these influential people that you just want to meet and just cozy up to and get to know more about. And I'll tell you what, the thing is, is that success, 90 to 95%, maybe even more than that, of your success is really just showing up. It's just getting there. Show up and be present. And so you can be meeting these influential people just by showing up you could probably knock out four or five of that list in one conference. So that's the, that's the beauty about networking, as you said, Elizabeth, is that the, the number of attendees, it's not so much the number, like these conferences that have hundreds, if not a thousand people there, that's great, that's cool and everything, but I'll tell you what, there are some pretty rock star conferences that don't have those types of numbers, but that you can get a little bit more intimate with the speakers and network with some people because it's not like a constant line of, oh, I got to go. I got to talk to this person. Oh, I got to go. I got to talk to this person. I mean, what do you think about that? That is true. You know, you're right. I mentioned earlier that my comment was look at the conference and see if it's been happening over time. And if lots of people are in attendance, I'm I'm in agreement with you there, Kevin. And I'd like to kind of um, edit that comment. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm not trying to call you out. What I meant by a lot of people was that they're coming back. They're return customers. You know, they're um, when you ask people about the conference, as we were sort of talking about offline, when we ask people about the conference, do they have positive things to say about it? Did they receive value for attending? So I agree. I mean, there's some conferences that are thought, like you just said, thousands in the room and it's one big sales pitch. Mm-hmm. So that's something to be wary of. And, and, and asking people, you know, when you went to that conference, was there a lot of content? Was there a lot of teaching? Was there a lot of work being done, real workshop type stuff happening? Or was it a lot of, you know, big show sales, what's behind the curtain kind of thing? So, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. I do agree. Um, however, you're right. I mean, large numbers are okay. But if you are, if your goal is to network and your goal is to get in front of potential colleagues for collaboration, then you might want to be mindful of the numbers. Yeah. Well, and again, my, I was not trying to call you out in, in that sense because <laughs> I, I, kn- I know, <laughs> well, it's, it's a thing. It's the same thing of like leading with price first, like, well, how much do you charge instead of like really getting to know the service? Uh, and, and it's the same thing with the numbers too. I've been, I have been guilty of that. I'm like, gosh, there's only been like 50 people here. Uh, but then some of those have been the most rewarding conferences I've been to. 
And that's, that's the thing. You just really have to, as you said, uh, get on social media, get on Twitter, because there are hashtags oftentimes tied to these conferences. And they've been, been using them for the, at least the last few years. And just like with Keith's conference over at, at Marsha's conference, Wealth and Wellness Live, they did a hashtag. So you can look that up and see, okay, who's actually communicating around this hashtag? They must have attended. Maybe I'll reach out to them and say, hey, what's up? Did you like it? And, and as you said, was there a lot of content? Was there a lot of back and forth and engagement and dialogue? I mean, or was it just one big sales pitch? So I do love that. And I know let's, let's deviate from some of the positives here just for a second, because I want to talk about, I want to talk about investments uh, in in a sense of your return on the, in the investment and making that investment in these conferences. But I also want to go flip it onto the conference side, investing in speakers and workshops and the people that they bring in. So, and we can, we can take this wherever we want to. I know Elizabeth, here's, here's the thing. So I'll, I'll definitely spend something from a positive. I've got a couple of things where I've had people. So from an, for example, speaker, I am a speaker. I do speak at conferences and I speak at private events too. Like people, companies, it's not a public thing. It, it could just be a company who wants to hear from me to help drive their teams into a different direction. Cause I like to rock people's faces off. I like to raise the roof. I get kind of nuts. When I speak with Keith, I'm a little bit more tame. He and I have spoken together a couple times. But he keeps me a little bit on the level where as when I go off by myself, like I'm at 11 and I'm constantly just trying to rock it the entire time. But some people have approached me and said, listen, I can't necessarily afford the fee that you charge for speaking. How is it that I can get you here and what can I do for you? And I've had some hosts of the events say to me, like they've done some research, like they've looked at who I am, they've researched who I am, and they've researched some other people attending the conference or maybe some other speakers. And they've come to me and said, listen, there are about five or 10 people that I know you were going to love to meet that you might likely get a business deal out of or something like that. So instead of foregoing my fee to speak, sometimes I've actually had some very lucrative business deals coming out of the conferences. Now, that's never my priority. My priority is connecting with the community and talking to them. That's always my priority is to give back. But I I do have to be compensated for my time because time away from my business is revenue lost. And we'll talk more about that. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that, Elizabeth? Because I know that you have been approached about speaking engagements. And what does that look like for you, both from getting paid to speak and then maybe some situations that didn't go so well? Well, two things come to mind, Kevin. The first about getting paid to speak. And that's a touchy subject, especially my belief in the nursing realm, because historically uh, the nurse mentality is focused on lack. You know, I don't have time for that. Uh, It's not in the budget. You know, we never have enough staff. Those kinds of sentences coming out of our mouths quite often. And I love that you're going in this direction because I think we need to hear it. We need to pull and, the bandaid and, off. Yeah, and I and I am sorry if I'm offending folks listening or you disagree, but, you know, take a real hard look at, or listen to the conversations around. So because of this lack mentality, we as nurse speakers then sort of are timid about our fees or, you know, maybe shy down from what we know we're worth in the value. So if you're a new speaker and you're looking for experience, 
maybe then it's just the opportunity to have that on your resume. Maybe it's to say you've done a keynote at some large conference and there are other benefits. However, once you have you know, laid the groundwork and are a professional speaker and have content to share that you know will help other people and provide value to them, you need to charge based on your worth. And if someone says they don't have the money to pay you, you may have to turn that event down. I mean, if you turn something down, then something else is going to come to you because you've opened up the space for it. So if you continue to take these low priced ticket um, conferences, then that's what you're just going to keep getting. And if you want to move into the realm of paid professional speaker, well, then you're going to have to know your value, know what you're worth and, you know, accept that. So that's my one um, sort of piece of advice on paid speaking. From personal experience, I have turned things down. People would probably, you know, judge me as being critical, but or or you know, um, as being picky. I'm sorry about that, as being picky. But it's it's just I want those valuable speaking opportunities. I want those people to approach me, and I know that I have a lot to share. Well, so that's my one piece. <laughs> well, yeah, but and I was going to say, and before you would move on, let me actually take this opportunity to lift you up to say thank you. For doing that because what I don't like seeing in the nursing community, especially as entrepreneurs and speakers and business folk here and our personal brands, stop diluting the brand of nursing. We are not the Walmart of services here. And I'll do respect if you shop at Walmart. I, I don't want to get on that tangent. But what I'm saying is that we're not cheap. We, you're investing in us. We are smart professionals. We have something to bring to the table. We have value to bring. And so us asking for something in return should not be looked down upon as, oh, well, I, we thought this was like a volunteer thing or something, or you're a nurse, you're only valued at this. Like, no, I am a nurse. I am valued this high. So value yourself in a way that across the board helps all nurses. Because Elizabeth, I'm sure if you've gotten asked to speak, and I know I have, and I would, I would tell people what my speaking fee is and like, oh, well, we'll just go over here and get this person who's only, you know, $250. I'm like, oh, they're not, they're not, they're doing us all a disservice. It, they really are. It really is. It makes it harder for those and for all of us, really. So the second comment, so you asked me about, you know, my experiences with getting paid versus not. And so sort of the warning, you were speaking earlier, Kevin, about the fact that if there are other benefits to speaking, such as being introduced to some potential partners, being able to get clients um, from the speaking opportunity in other ways. So those things are real. And I also do. So I know I just mentioned that I only speak for these big price. That's not true. I, of course, do other speaking engagements when when we can find value for both of us, myself and the conference. However, as you were mentioning, finding these folks that approach you and say, well, I know I can offer you X, Y, and Z. Well, I'll tell you a story. This happened to me last fall. I was asked to speak at a conference. I heard that it was quite large the first year. I looked up, looked up, uh, researched it online, looked it up and found a lot of information. I perhaps didn't do my due diligence in finding out of the past attendees and what they thought. So, you know, I'm learning and, and I'm sharing that I've made mistakes. So I attend the conference. The, the participation was pathetic. 
to be kind of <laughs> to abysmal, be graphic, huh? Yeah. To be graphic, yes. <laughs> and there were no further connections like I was promised and no further speaking opportunities from that event. However, maybe the five or so people I did speak to really enjoyed my topic, purchased my book. So those things are positive in terms of, okay, I've helped five people and maybe five new people are on my email list and that kind of thing. But when I was promised one thing and received another, I mean, I was completely deflated coming home and, you know, but instead, what can I learn from that? And as ah, Kevin was just mentioning, you know I was going right, to say that, yes. Ex- well, no, no, as Kevin was just mentioning, you know, asking uh, past attendees, maybe even commenting and talking to past speakers. How was this last year? What did you get out of it as a speaker? So these are the things I did not do, but definitely would do again if the conference host comes to me and says, I can't pay you, but here's what you're going to benefit. It's up to me to do my due diligence. So my teaching point, I guess, here for the audience is, you know, that is a good way to go if you're not getting paid, but then it's on you. Take the responsibility, you know, be accountable for yourself and find out if those other benefits are really going to pan out. Don't just be passive and expect them to happen. Right. I love that. Yeah. Do not be passive. I mean, you just can't be. I mean, you have to execute. You have to get up off your duff and you got to make these things happen. Like I said, most of your success is going to be about showing up and that actually takes some effort. Now, two sides of this. So from the conference standpoint, here's what I would say is that, and and for all of you listening, if you're making a, I would say a decent investment in a conference, like if we're talking like this conference is anywhere in the neighborhood of upper several hundred dollars to maybe even a thousand dollars to attend this conference, uh, you know, from the conference standpoint, I like if you're trying to get a conference together, Definitely look at your market and do your market analysis. But I'll tell you what, if you're charging maybe a hundred bucks to show up for a conference, people aren't really going to take it seriously. Not to mention, you're not going to be pulling in enough revenue to then pay your speakers. So think about this. Like if you want certain speakers, like if you want somebody to attend like this really amazing keynote that, that most likely will help bring in because they have so much brand equity that they'll bring in attendees and they'll bring in other speakers, then you might have to charge a decent chunk of change for that ticket. However, that's the thing. If you're paying these speakers and getting more of these really high value uh, individuals, you know, attending these conferences, not just attending the conferences, but speaking at your conferences, then the return on investment for your community, who you're actually pitching to or selling to, you know, the, 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 basically the butts in the seats, you know, who's sitting there. And, and so that kind of value is extremely important. And you'll be able to pay those speakers because you're providing it at a high dollar value, but but a return on investment that could be ten to thirty or forty times the value, you know, the return for the for those attendees. I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but what I'm just saying is, pick a ticket price that can help you afford the amenities that you need and the speakers that you need to get there, and mm. and then people will also take it seriously because I'm sure Elizabeth, like if somebody said, well, yeah. Twenty nine ninety five, like not two thousand nine hundred ninety five, but like twenty nine dollars and nine. Like, I just don't see like how that can really bring a lot of value. I know people are trying to lowball it in a sense to get people in the venue, but then how much value can you provide at such a low cost, like uh, under hundred dollars a ticket? I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I have multiple thoughts. I mean, now we're starting to talk about how to host your own conference, which could be a whole nother episode in and of itself. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, But just briefly to respond to that, you know, there is some 
pricing that happens, early bird pricing will begin at a lower price and the ticket's going up. So you're kind of creating that urgency. Mm -hmm. uh, you might have something to offer at the conference. Sure, you're doing uh, a three-day workshop where you're leading your guests through exercises, but then setting them up in a way that they are going to need continued support from you. And that's how you would, you know, increase your revenue from the conference. You might look at hosting the conference yourself, being the sole provider of the material so you don't have to pay speakers or potentially having, you know, a guest here and there, maybe lead them in an exercise or um, sponsor the lunch something like that. So there's a way to maybe decrease your costs of hosting a conference. And one way that's a really inexpensive way to host and attend a conference is to do it all virtually. Oh, yes. So. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about. We another. haven't talked about that yet, Kevin. We haven't. Well, that was and that was going to be my flip side is that for the price, let's say that you can't spend a thousand or twelve hundred or two thousand dollars to attend the conference just on the ticket alone, not to mention the airfare and the hotel and stuff. First, are there some conferences within your major metro area? I My major metro area, I just live outside of Denver and Boulder. In Denver, there's a lot of conferences there. Same thing for you, Elizabeth. You're outside of the Baltimore area. So think about, can you just take a day trip? You know, is, is there a day trip that you can take? And so, it, like, the ticket might be a little costly. However, you're not spending but maybe a tank of gas and a, maybe a meal or two. And then, you know, that's that might be a good return for you. And then, of course, for that nice carbon footprint that for Mother Earth on Earth Day here, there are ways to attend virtually. So, for instance, if you don't have that $1,200 plus or whatever it is, but maybe they're selling the virtual ticket for, let's say, maybe $250, $300, which might still be a little hit to the pocketbook. But, and I know you have experience with this, you watch the event when you can, when you're available to, and you get that content and you watch it at your leisure. So I know that you have done some similar virtual events where people have attended. So certainly feel free to take this because I know you can definitely expand on this. I'm so happy you just mentioned that price point, Kevin. I'm spot on with my conference then since really? you know, you're my nurse entrepreneur oh. mentor that I look up to. You said $250 and I'm spot on. Great. But yeah, Kevin's referring to the fact that I've hosted virtual. And so I've done both. You know, I've dabbled in the free um, it's more of sort of a summit, you know, as a nurse entrepreneur, you might call that a video summit or a tele summit. Um, so I've done that a bit. And, and the reasons for doing those are different than the reasons for hosting um, a virtual conference with a paid ticket. And so this year is my second year of my virtual conference, The Art of Nursing, and it's held during Nurses Week. And you're right. I mean, the feedback from last year, the nurses all found it extremely convenient. Think about if you're working 12-hour shifts, if you've had the week from hell because you have to stay late every day, and you miss the whole thing. Mm -hmm. You don't even have the time or energy, you know, to sit there and watch the 30-minute webinar. So having a virtual conference, the benefit there is, as Kevin just mentioned, it's really convenient because you have access to all the materials during the live event and then afterwards, for the most part, for, for a lifetime. It depends on how the conference organizer sets that up. Right. Um, and the nice thing that I like to do... Oh, I'm sorry. That was my dog. Oh, don't worry. Heard. We're going to keep the dog sneezing. I like that. <laughs> so that's actually the third co-host today. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, 
the thing I like to do is kind of blend the two. So I'll have, you know, the virtual webinars for the virtual conference, but then we have live conference calls in the evenings to really bring that community feel and have people participating and interacting and receiving support in a live quote, quote, live way. So, you know, there's a way to kind of blend it mix it up and, and make sure you have a little bit of um, in-person feel, even though you're separated by, you know, millions and thousands of miles. <laughs> well, what you did was really smart, Elizabeth, because you knew who your target audience is. You, you're, you know who your target audience is. And so when you talk about nurses who, let's say the majority of them are at the bedside and working these long shifts and maybe are unable to attend these conferences that's really intelligent marketing that you say, okay, you know, I'm really kind of pushing this virtual event and then giving you, so whatever the fee is, that entry level fee to have access to all of those archived pieces of content and interviews and talks and discussions and all that, that's great. Cause again, they can, they can consume that on their own time. However, I also like the way you, you like try to tie these things in because maybe nurses, they still can't attend the virtual live virtual conference that is, however, could later down the road, if you had a discussion, a call to sort of tie certain pieces of it together, they might be able to at least attend those. Because I could see where the issue would be, all right, well, I pay for this virtual ticket at 250 bucks, but then I don't really consume the content or I don't really feel connected with it. So you're giving them another opportunity to feel that another level of connection. You know, another piece to the puzzle to add to that is adding an online forum. So anyone out right. there thinking about setting up a virtual conference, it's really a good idea to have an online forum where you're available as the host all of the time, really, during that week. I mean, obviously, yes. you need to sleep and eat, but, you know, to answer questions, to get the crowd talking, to make comments, you know, don't forget the videos for today were X, Y, and Z. So you're still, again, that's bringing in that live piece. And you're right, because if it's just something you're delivering to someone's email inbox, well, then it's essentially a product and mm -hmm. it's not really an interactive event. So um, there's just a couple moving pieces to a virtual conference. And mind you, the scale that I've set mine up at is relatively small. It's only in its second year. I have high aspirations of having breakout rooms and discussions going on simultaneously, just as a live conference would but that will be in the future. <laughs> I love that. I love the, I love to hear you say scaling it. That is a favorite term of mine on how we can scale this. How large can we scale it? So I love the idea of that. And really just kind of setting up that other, that additional layer of connection with your community. And, you know, I could see it, Elizabeth, where you might have some either admins or some quote unquote super users within these communities. So that when you're sleeping, somebody across the world who, who's wide awake because it's their daytime could also be chiming in as one of your super users within these forums to help keep that conversation moving basically 24 seven. Cause you're right when you're kind of doing it on your own and, and if you're on East coast time and you've definitely got to sleep and eat and do some other things, it's nice to also have some other community members who are like willing to take that on to help you who are aligned with your mission and philosophy and what's going on in the community. So Certainly food for thought as you scale this thing up. Well, and, and to mention that sort of scaling feature. So we were speaking earlier about our fees as speakers in conferences. Right. And so, you know, I have 12 speakers that I interview for this event and they do receive payment. But the nice thing is it's virtual. All they have to do is show up for 30 minutes 
on Skype, do an interview with me. You know, there's a few paperwork pieces before and after the fact. It's really not up to, to, to the size of them traveling to the conference, getting that plane ticket, getting that hotel, prepping for an hour-long presentation with questions and answers. So to pay those speakers, you know, again, is scalable where you may not have to pay your speaker as much as an in-person speaker. So if you're looking, you know, if you're trying to organize a conference, is a virtual conference a way to go that you can sort of start out with before you want to move into the live conference where you're paying your your guest speakers? That's an awesome point. But and here's the thing. And this, of course, is honest engine or honest nurse, as I should say, based on the Gallup poll of being a nurse and being honest in that Elizabeth did not. She did not hit me up. She doesn't know I'm going to say this. But what I am going to tell you, go back to what I was talking about with the fees that you pay. If there are virtual conferences and, and maybe you can get some value of some of those conferences or maybe the virtual tickets only 30 bucks. But I'll tell you what, you are not going to hold yourself accountable enough to get out of it what you need to get out of those conferences. And quite frankly, I don't even know what kind of value they're going to be providing you at that price point. I really don't, unless there's some huge sponsor that they have. And that's something that you have to research. But I think what Elizabeth's talking about is that the fact is that she found a price point that she can pay her speakers and provide value to her community. And that's a, that's important. Providing value to the community is definitely first and foremost but also think about it like this. I, I, I mean, whether you've been coached before or heard it several times or this is the first time you're hearing it, when you're shopping the price and the price only, then that's an issue. But you're making an investment in your education. This is education. This is not necessarily academia. This is the real stuff. This is like applied science and hitting the ground running and hearing from people who have skin and in the game and as i say appendages in the game at this point so really don't just look at the price alone look at the value that you're going to receive on that well for the people out there listening who want to organize a conference think about who you're bringing to speak mm -hmm. you know research them look on their linkedin profile do they even have a photo up there you know, are they active on social? You know, I'm sorry, but if you are this day and age, if you are a professional speaker, if you are a nurse entrepreneur, if you're looking to put your business out there, you know, you've got to have some of that stuff. But as the organizer, do your research so that you can provide that value to your audience. Because you don't want someone that shows up, doesn't know how to, you know, interact with the camera, is bumbling around. And, and I've, and I've had these experiences with <laughs> lots. I mean, I've dealt now with over, let's see, dozen speakers times four. I'm probably at about 64-ish people that I've interviewed, you know, had promoted, had in one of my events, all this kind of stuff. So I'm sort of, quote, an expert in this. And I've had the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. <laughs> well, that's a thing. Like, you, it's a valid point, Elizabeth. I mean, as simple as looking at a photograph on LinkedIn and whether they have that on their profile, but... I've gotten lots of speaking engagements or other business deals because people have either listened to this podcast or they've seen me on YouTube or they've seen my personality. Listen, your CV can be amazing. You can have all this alphabet soup after your name, doctorate, masters, whatever. That's fine. And I'm not knocking it. You could be really intelligent. But when it comes to getting in front of a camera or speaking in front of an audience, if you're just dry as a bone, forget it. I mean... I'm not trying to knock people who just aren't good at speaking and maybe they do have something of value to share, but they just don't have a way to capture it and package it up and present it to people that engages them. 
you know, yeah, if you're trying to set up a conference, whether that be virtual or a live event, then yeah, you're right. You do need to do your due diligence. I was listening. There was some podcast that happened uh, just recently, a couple weeks ago, and the guy, he was amazing. He was incredible. And and then he said, and to find out more about me, just go over to my Twitter handle. And and I can't even remember his Twitter handle. When I went over to Twitter, he had like four tweets and like 12 followers. And this guy was amazing. And I was like, what in the world just happened here? So I mean, it could go on the other side of that. Like this guy was totally just, he just pulled me in and sucked me in. Like I heard every word he said. And then when I went over to his Twitter page, I was like, this guy, this guy, this has to be a joke. That can't be him. But it was him. Like I did more research. I was like, oh my gosh, that was just silly. I mean, so definitely figure out like who you're actually interviewing or, or pulling into your conference to be there. All right, let's talk a little bit about the return on investment, especially, like I said, from the business span- standpoint. Let's, so we know as employees, it's likely that your employee or as an employee or your employer is covering these things, but I think it's a business. So there's not just the travel expenses involved, the hotel, the airfare, but the fact that if you're a solopreneur, you're the sole entrepreneur in this business here, you're the one who is providing that sole revenue. And so in, in the show notes and in the post over at Innovative Nurse, I use a nice round number of, this is probably going to cost you, let's say, $5,000. That's just a nice round number with airfare, hotel, and your lost revenue. It, it just depends. And I know for me personally, like my billable is pretty high. So I know like if, it's got to really be worth it. But like I said, is there a way to for you to possibly make this up in a business endeavor that could come out of it by networking? And that's the thing. Like, that's why you've got to do your due diligence. As Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, and she got very vulnerable and transparent that maybe she didn't do enough research on one of those conferences and it just was kind of, you know, abysmal. And so she learned from that experience and she's going to be better for next time. And so I've had situations where, I knew I was going to lose quite a bit of revenue, especially early on in my business when I was basically the sole revenue generator, the revenue engine in my business. And I had to put out a lot of money to, to attend these conferences. But it was interesting. So that nice round number of $5,000 that I had set for myself, I ended up quadrupling that on a business deal that I had landed in like the first day of the conference. And it wasn't like I was pitching somebody or selling somebody. It was I had a service. They had a complimentary service. I had mine scaled up to where it needed to be scaled. They had their scaled up to where it needed to be scaled. And I wanted to scale where they were and they wanted to scale where I was and we were able to scale together. So it was just something that I looked at that as, okay, is this an opportunity for me to find an investment, a partnership, a business deal or something like that? And so, you know, it's, that's definitely been a good thing for me on several of occasions. I have a comment, Kevin. Okay. I just I have a comment to speak to that, and then I have something I want to back up for our listeners for a moment because you said something that I thought was a little ludicrous. <laughs> All right, go ahead. You mentioned the fact that many employers are paying for conferences, and I think some of the listeners probably wanted to throw rocks at the radio because I know okay. for a fact they are not. Okay. Um, but for those listening who are, you know, kudos to you, but for those who are not, so for our clinical nurses listening and you're going to conferences and you're thinking, well, I'm paying and gosh, I'm missing work and I'm using PTO, what the heck am I getting out of this? 
So there can be a couple of things. You can see if the conference offers continuing education if you need that Mm -hmm. for your specialty or for your license or something. If you're looking to sort of up-level your career, maybe you want to get a promotion or you want to move into leadership or management or something, you know, going to a conference and, and putting that even on your CV Um, Even speaking, being a speaker or having a poster is a really great way to, um, you know, promote yourself sort of to have your resume improved. So there are benefits for the clinical nurse to attend a conference, even if you have to pay for it. So be mindful of that and think about and the relationship building. Maybe you're a nurse researcher and you have a small study at your hospital, but you want to scale it out to, you know, a multi-center study. Uh, attending a conference, you might be able to easily network with people um, and get, you know, their ear because we all know it's hard to get people to respond to email. So, you know, there are benefits to attending a conference as a clinical nurse. So just wanted to put that for those. Well, (laughs) I wanted to say thank you for setting me straight because Elizabeth, you're right. You have said this to me before and I've had other people say this to me before about employers or the lack of investment in conferences for continuing education and things like that. I forget that sometimes I'm also straddle in another environment that is somewhat more business strategy and business-esque and media and branding and marketing. And so the companies that I either own or work with or aligned with, they, and it's really sad, but they do invest in that. I mean, my, my wife's it's a perfect that lack example. mentality. I know. It's that lack mentality again. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, for example, my wife, she's leaving this weekend. She's um, heading to Atlanta for a conference and her company, it's complete, like they're paying for the conference, they're flying her there, she's staying up at this great hotel. Um, and of, I mean, she's on salary, so it's not like she's gonna lose any money. She doesn't have to take PTO, there's no vacation involved. I mean, it's just, that's the deal, you know? It's just, so I thank you for pulling me back and, and making me realize that you're right, that lack mentality is omnipresent here in the nursing <laughs> per- <realm>. pervasive <laughs> it's like a disease okay and then the other topic was the entrepreneur space and you mentioned partnerships and you know working with the audience sort of you know your colleagues and and that was able to help your business well if you're attending a conference and let's say you're a coach and there a conference attendees are there maybe you pick up a client or as my business coach likes to do, and I was thinking, ah, oh, this is a great idea. When she attends a conference in another state and city, she looks to see if anyone she's ever coached in the past lives in that vicinity and then does like a VIP day. You know, she's there for the conference anyway oh, nice. and outside of conference time, set up an appointment, make a little cash and, you know, work with your client. So there's a lot. You just got to be creative, Kevin. And I think that's what entrepreneurs have to do. I love that idea that VIP day that is definitely innovative you know mm-hmm. I'm always looking for the innovative stuff on how to scale that that's pretty smart now the thing is is that we could keep going on and on and on to nauseam about you know lack mentality and this how you write it it's almost like a disease that is going through nursing and how we're not investing so we need to get these things on the books and so whether you've got to put a bee in the bonnet or a bug in the ear, or maybe those aren't comfortable analogies, but you need to get somebody to say like, all right, I want to go. I want to go. And this, these are the reasons why I want to go. I want you to invest in me. Listen, I'm investing in the company. I show up and I bring my A game every day to this organization. I just want to hear from the organization that I am valued, that you support me. And I want to go to this conference. I mean, if you have to 
write up some kind of summary or whatever it is of the reasons why this conference is important to you and why it would be important to the organization for them to send you there, do it. Get on it. Because you, know, you, you can't be passive, like you said before. Yeah, you know, employers are all about the numbers. Mm-hmm. So if you want to blow folks away, write up your own cost-benefit analysis. You know, if you were disengaged and you left and they had to hire and train a new nurse, how much would that cost? And how much is it costing them just to send you for two and a two and a half days to a conference? I mean, blow these people away. Be innovative, you know, as a clinical nurse. So that's why, Kevin, in the conference I'm teaching or, or the workshop workshop slash conference I'm leading in the fall, I'm going to be teaching nurses entrepreneurial techniques, you know, energy theory, but it can be applied in the clinical nursing world. So you don't have to become a nurse entrepreneur to, to use the things that Kevin and I are speaking about. It's just taking a little bit of creativity, a little bit of accountability, and and putting yourself out there in a brand new way that maybe will blow your manager's socks off and they'll be like, wow, look, look, mm-hmm. look at how important this is to him or her. And look at look at all the research that went into this and look at the numbers because they really want to hear the numbers. Right. And I think it just it's that mindset that, especially with nurses, because we talk about healthcare as a business and they think, okay, well, that's the wrong way to think about it. Well, unfortunately, it is a business. And business is not bad, or all business is not all bad. It's there are good businesses. There are good business practices. Business does not equate negative and bad and just capitalism and, and everything. I mean, we really kind of have to take those negative connotations out of it, extrapolate, you know, pull that out and let's look and see what the positive is. Because I'll tell you what, even if you're an employee, you yourself as a personal brand are a micro business within that organization. Treat yourself that way. And I love the fact that you're going to be talking about that at your event. I can't wait. Tell me what, I might do a flyby there. I got to look at my schedule to see. You mentioned that last time we spoke and I started already shaking out of intimidation. I'm like, I can't have the person who knows everything about all this stuff come attend. But then I was talking to my husband about it. He's like, you know, if he listened to it, maybe he learned something or here's something he never thought of or, you know, give you feedback on how you've done. So you're welcome to come. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, and that's and I'm glad that you you talked about that. I never want anybody to feel nervous because I am not a know-it-all. What I am, though, is someone who does keep my head on the swivel. I am a sponge. I am someone who soaks it up and absorbs it and dilute it down, distill it down to what makes sense to me. And I'm always open to give feedback, but I learn every day. I learn from you, Elizabeth, every day. I've already learned from you today, especially because you called me out on the whole you know, uh, lack mentality of nurses, or you didn't necessarily call me out. You just reminded me of the fact that there's not a lot of reimbursement going on in companies in the healthcare space investing in those platforms, which I remembered, but you told me. So, I, But I'm always learning from you. I mean, you're so eloquent. You wrap things up so well. And every day is learning for me. So don't feel intimidated. I It would be an honor to be in your presence always. All right. Thanks, Kevin. And I, I agree with you. I think that's part of being an entrepreneur, as I mentioned earlier, it's that creativity, it's that sense of accountability, it's that, you know, get up and go. But it's that fact that you're learning from everything. And even from this call, even from this episode, I've shared how many mistakes I've made. But, right. you know, I've learned from all of them and I'd never do that again. <laughs> well, and that's our point of difference here is that we're talking about our mistakes because I've always said the mistakes are the opportunities to learn. And I know that you live that and that's who you are because with your new book coming out soon, wait, do you have an actual hard date set for the launch of the book? 
Yeah, the book will be out June 1st. There's going to be pre-launch happenings and pre-sale going on during the month of May. But June 1st, 2015. Okay, June 1st. Well, girl, that's around the corner. I mean, we are hot on the heels of May. So, we got the cover back and yeah. the site has been getting populated and your forward and photo and everything's up on it. So Oh, it I is? Should, yeah. All snap. Got to send you that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, listeners. A little no, that's sidebar. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, to wrap it up, Elizabeth, the thing is, is that what we really need to drive home is that for me, like I, ha- I have to plan my year several months in advance, meaning when it comes to the fall, I'm already looking at the entire 2016 of what my calendar is going to be like. So you really need to get these conferences on your radar. You really need to start looking early. And the unfortunate thing is that I couldn't attend Marsha's uh, event, the Wealth and Wellness Live with, with Keith, is that unfortunately I had a conflict and I just couldn't make it, even though she had hit me up maybe a couple months ago and reached out. And I so wanted to be there. I really did. And I'm so glad that Keith was there to rep uh, for, for the brand and just for himself. But you really got to put it on the schedule. You just have to commit. And if you got to put a dollar sign next to it and figure out how you said generating revenue before to build that up, if you got to pay down some debt, if you've got to figure out how to get a Groupon or something to get your butt there, that there's a hotel Groupon or a flight or something, you know, you got to get it on the books because you'll be held accountable at that point. Get it on your calendar and do not move it off your calendar. Set it, even before you like buy the ticket, set it as if you are going because you envision that and you will do it. Sure. You're talking exactly about if you really want something to happen, it's going to happen regardless of the price ticket. And as you were saying, make those plans. Start saving. You know, each week, put aside 20 bucks each week for the conference pot, you know? so. If you want it, it'll happen. It it absolutely will. And I love how you mentioned putting it on your calendar because that actually holds the space in real time. Yeah. And like I said, even if you have not purchased the ticket or, you know, fully in committed or whatever, because it's just about accountability. And I know you have, you are definitely the person with the energy that is just, I I feel it. You're pulling me into the mic. I'm almost going to be in Baltimore. Hold on. I'll be there in just a minute. Like that's the thing. You're right. You've got to align with that belief that you're going to, you're going to do it. So anyway. One other point, Kevin, real quick before, just so for our listeners, and I'm sure many people would agree or say, I already know that, but lots of these conferences happen similar time of year. So remember at the very start of this interview episode, you know, I mentioned my boss, my old boss asking me about making that spreadsheet. Well, the good Mm -hmm. news was I found, you know, many of these conferences happen at the similar time. So for example, the magnet conference is always the same time of year. You know, the specialty that you're in conference is always the same time of year. So if you're looking at your calendar fall of the year and you're looking forward to the next future year, you know, you're, you're likely to figure out when it's going to happen and at least block that time and space out. Right. I love that you made that point. You're so right because these conferences typically are falling around that same time of year. And oftentimes I've even committed like right out of the gates. Like if I missed a conference that I really, really wanted to go to and it's been like super amazing like year after year, oftentimes they'll have tickets for sale for that next year, like a day or two or a week or so after that conference is over. I'll go ahead and get it. Like Mm -hmm. because I put it on the calendar, even though it's an entire year away from me, 
it is something that is on my radar. It's something, whether it's in the back of my mind or whatever, it's a goal for me to aim for and something for me to get pumped about and get excited about. So, mm-hmm. and then those early bird prices, as you mentioned much earlier on in the episode, I mean, they can be significantly cheaper. I mean, I've seen early bird prices. There's one that I picked up that I think the normal tickets are around $2,250, and I think the early bird was something like 400 or 350 or whatever. I'm like, dude, that's a bargain. Mm-hmm. So, of course, I'm going to do that. So, whew, anyway, my goodness. All right, well, I think we've probably run on enough, and I think that we've probably provided, no, not probably, we definitely have provided a huge amount of value today. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for hanging with me today. We, of course, miss Keith, but he is here with us somewhere on his virtual mic, he, yeah. hanging out in Atlanta. I've, I've been seeing the pictures on Facebook. I can hear his voice now. Hey, guys. <laughs> just a, that very calming voice that yeah. he has. He just, yes, very relaxing. Yeah, he, thanks for hanging out with me too, Kevin. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I just think that, you know, if we wanted to sum it all up into a takeaway theme, this conference episode really taught me there's so much opportunity for, for learning from the conference experience, from actually being there to learning from the people you interact with, from learning from your mistakes, from attending or speaking. So it's just really about, as Kevin said, you know, putting yourself out there and learning something new, soaking it all up. So yeah. thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, of course. And again, remember, the most one of the most important things, especially from the entrepreneurial space, is get your goals and get savvy with those goals get comfortable with those goals because when you have those and they're a little bit more descriptive they're a little bit more finite a little bit distilled down to something that is attainable and measurable then that will help lead your decisions into which conferences are more appropriate for you anyway as always we hope that you in some way have felt uplifted motivated and ready for something that moves the needle for you continue to innovate create and find passion in your life and your career each and every day care for yourself while caring for others. And we look forward to having you back here with us again on RNFM Radio.